0: appreciate your singing today and your involvement in singing and your help with singing. If you play an instrument and your help with the PowerPoint and the sound system, that all makes everything work, and I appreciate it so much. One of the most intimidating moments uh, of my life was right here in this church. We had a funeral, and uh, a former, sem- um, former college professor and seminary professor Uh, of mine was at the funeral here in this church. He's Dr. Don Stewart. Some of you know Dr. Stewart. He's been an interim pastor at this church. You may be personal friends of his, as was the family in question at that time. I was preaching the funeral, and I learned just before I came out that, that Dr. Stewart was in the audience, and I was highly intimidated by the fact that he was here Hadn't seen him in decades, and of course, he'd never heard me preach. And so that was my thought as I was preaching the funeral. Dr. Stewart is out there listening to me. He was a great, he made a great impact in my life. I, I counted it a privilege to have him here, uh, but I also was intimidated by his presence. So I want you to think about whether or not you would count it an honor and a privilege. To have the Lord Jesus come to your church. How would you feel if he was here? How would you feel about, how would I feel about my preaching? How would you feel about your singing? How would we feel about how our church looked? Uh, and <clears throat> what, if, what if he came? Should, if Jesus came, should we invite him to preach? And we, of course, we would, and we would hopefully sense the great privilege of His presence. Well, in the New Testament, we see that Jesus, in fact, did go to places where His people gathered together to worship. And on occasion, He Himself would take the opportunity to speak, to teach, to read the Scripture And so as we look at Luke chapter 4, we're going to find one of those incidents, or a string of them really, and we're going to talk about the privilege of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. So first we'll just look at the place of his presence. Number one, that's number one, the place of his presence. Where did Jesus go? Well, we see here, uh, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. this is Luke 4:14 4, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. That's simply where he was. He went to their synagogues. that would be like Jesus coming to Loosedale and going from church to church but I want you to think about our church and him coming here. We would be pleased to have him here. Uh, We should expect him to be here, by the way, because we have, of course, the promise of his presence, that wherever two or three are gathered together, he is there in the midst of them. So think about that now as we think about, as we look at this story. Those synagogues in that region became... The place of His presence. Does Jesus come here? Do we acknowledge His presence when He is here? Are we uh, keen on pleasing Him with what we do here? Plea- keen on pleasing Him by the way we sing. Me, keen on pleasing Him by the way that I preach. Keen on pleasing Him by the by the personal by the appearance of our church. Are we concerned about those things? Second, we just want to consider the purpose of his presence. What in the world did Jesus go for? Why was he there? You know, uh, what, what, was, what was his purpose overall? Why did God send him? Uh, not just to one synagogue, but to synagogue after synagogue because we see that he was going to all of their synagogues. And, and what did he intend to do? Once he got there, what was his mission? What was the mission that God had given him? We see that in the next verses, verses 16 through 22. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. I guess he took opportunity or they gave him the privilege, uh, maybe as a visiting rabbi, to to read. And notice I can't help but think as I read the verse today about the verses we read this morning. And he took the book, or the it wouldn't have been a book, it would have been the scroll of Isaiah. And it was handed to him. And he opened the, the scroll, the book, and found the place where it is written. And this, this passage is written about him. It was written about his purpose. It was written Uh, regarding why God sent him. It was why he was in their synagogue and why he was in every synagogue. It was why he was on earth. It was the mission that he came to do. By the way, it's why he comes and meets with us every time that we gather. The same purpose that the Lord had in the synagogue is the purpose that he has here tonight. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were taken from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? Well, here's his purpose. To deliver people, to help people, to heal people. To, to preach God's Word to people. By the way, I just have to say when I come to Luke 4.18, this is the place I was reading in, in 1974, soon to be 50 years ago. It lets you know how old I am. When I was a senior in high school, picked up my Bible that I read every night, and I read that night from Luke 4.18, and that night, and I didn't even realize what I was reading, I wasn't paying that much attention to what I was. I certainly didn't know this was Jesus' purpose and mission. But that night from Luke 4:18, God spoke to me personally and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon you and I have anointed you to preach the gospel. That was my call experience. I received my call experience from the word of God. God spoke to me while I was, while I was, preaching the word while I was reading the word. And so in, an, in essence, God's fulfilling that tonight, the word he spoke to me almost 50 years ago. And, and that's what we're revisiting, something he called me to do. Well, Jesus was there, and what he called Jesus to do is certainly different than what he called me to do. I can't deliver anybody from anything, but certainly Jesus can. So, And that's why he comes and meets with us, when we gather together as His people. Is He here to do that tonight? Is there someone here tonight who's bound by something that you need to be set free from? Is there someone here tonight whose eyes are blinded to what God wants you to see and tonight He's here to open your eyes? Is there something you need to hear tonight that He is here to say to you? Is He? Is there someone here tonight who needs to be called from this passage of Scripture. And tonight, God would call you and He would say to you, I have a mission for you. I'm going to put my Spirit upon you. Does He want to do these things here? And I would say the answer to that is yes. Number three, we want to consider the problem of His presence. What in the world problem would there be with Jesus coming to church? Well, if you read the Bible enough, there's one passage, particularly I believe it's in the Gospel of John, that says simply about Jesus, there was division on account of him. And sometimes Jesus does cause a little division. He causes little dust-ups, and so it bothers people uh, when Jesus is present in his church or or among his people to speak. And so we're going to read verses 23 through 30 and see this very thing remember in verse 21 we read uh, verse 22 and all were speaking well of him and were wondering at the gracious words but look at verse 23 and he said to them no doubt you will quote this proverb to me physician heal yourself whatever we heard was done at Capernaum do here in your hometown as well and he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say, <laughs> I almost laugh at that and I think about myself. And, uh, but anyway, maybe they'll let me preach there one day. But I say to, say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months when a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian. And all the people in sin and by the way, he's just telling them Bible stories. That's all in the world he's doing. He's telling Bible stories, but he's telling Bible stories that offend them. Reminding them that God did things in some people's lives, that they, people that they don't like, people that, that weren't like them, and that God did mighty works in their life. And uh, so they're offended by the Bible itself. And the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went his way. Now isn't that odd? Does it ever bother people here when Jesus speaks? Do you ever get offended at the pastor's sermon? Or maybe at the pastor because the, the word of God seems pointed directly at you? I had a man tell me on one occasion and got very angry with me very angry with me because he said my sermons were all directed at him. Well, none of them were. I never had him in mind when I was preaching them, but he felt personally offended every time I stood up to preach. But it wasn't me. I suppose God was speaking to his heart, or maybe he just felt some inherent guilt. What, what kind of things bother people? Usually the things that bother us when God speaks are things that that He recognizes don't belong in our lives. We get offended when He begins to as we said somebody said in Sunday school this morning a question was raised and they said in jest, You've begun to meddle now. Well when, when somebody says you're meddling or you're 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 getting into our business. That's what God does. It's his business to get into our business. He speaks to things that trouble us, that convict us. He convicts us of our sins and he convicts us and calls us to change. Now, number four, we need to talk about the people in his presence, the people who, were, who Jesus expected to be in the synagogue. Who, who, who shows up? at houses of worship. Who showed up at houses of worship in the Old Testament and who shows up at houses of worship today? Well, look at chapter 4. We're going to read verse 30 and then verses 33 and 34. Well, we already read verse 30, so we'll read verse 31. Uh, uh, Let me just start at verse 31 before I get lost. And he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were amazed at his teaching for his message was with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Let us alone. What business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So there was a demon-possessed man in God's house, in well, the synagogue. In the synagogue. Do demon possessed people come to church today? Do people with problems with the devil held captive by the devil to do his will? Do those kind of people come to church today? Also look at verse thirty eight. We can move down to thirty eight. He left and left the synagogue and 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 went to Simon's home. Well Simon was Simon Peter, and Simon Peter's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. Where would she have been, likely have been, had she not been suffering from a high fever? She probably would have been there at the synagogue, and they ask him to help her. And, and so we see uh, someone who's sick. Do sick people come to church today, people with sickness, illness, and, and diseases uh, that they don't have the power to do anything about, I like to read from Luke. And I like Luke's perspective, especially when it comes to sickness, because Luke is a physician and he, he uses unique words and, and he has that unique perspective and he looks at things in that way. So also we look at verse 40, the first part of verse 40. While the sun was setting, all who had any who were sick... With various diseases, brought them to him, and laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. So, are these people here? I'm just asking, these were the people that found their way into his presence, whether inside the synagogue or outside the synagogue. Isn't it his purpose to deliver people from various kinds of captivity? This demon possessed man. Isn't that the very reason that, that Jesus came? So here you might be tonight and you might say, well, I, I have this captivity uh, to the devil. I'm bound by something. I'm in bondage to something. Look, I'm glad you're here. That's why Jesus is here. He's here to deliver you. He's here to help you. That's why he came. Uh, a person with, with some kind of illness, some kind of fever, That's why Jesus is here. He's here to deliver you, to help you. That's what Jesus does. You say, well, does that what he does he still do stuff like that today? I suppose he does. I mean, doesn't the Bible say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Is his power limited now? Is his mercy limited now? Is his concern for people limited now? Don't we put people on the prayer list because we call out uh to Jesus in their behalf, and we say, Jesus, please help these people. Do we no longer believe that Jesus can help someone who is sick or that Jesus could help someone who is demon-possessed? He said, that's why I came, the recovering of the sight to the blind. I mean blind people of all people. He healed the guy that was born blind and they said no one has ever heard of anywhere in the world of a man being healed who was born blind, but Jesus did that. He really did and he still can do things like that today. Number five, we talk about the potential of his presence and I guess that's where I was headed when I was talking about those things. Look at verse 35 through 37 of chapter 4. But Jesus, this back to the demon-possessed man, Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing him any harm. And amazement came upon them all, and they began talking with one another, saying, What is this message? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out, and the report about him was spreading into every locality around the surrounding district. Then verse 39, uh, about Peter's mother-in-law, and standing over her, he rebuked the fever and it left her, and she immediately got up and waited on him. And then uh, in verse uh, 40, middle of verse 40 to verse 41, it says, uh, laying his hands on these sick people, on each one of them... He was healing them. We'll read verse 41 again in just a minute. We'll come back to it. So can these things happen here? Are you praying for these things to happen? Are you praying or do we pray? Do we ask? Number one, do we ask for Jesus to be here? Do we ask him to manifest manifest his presence here? What would the manifest presence of Jesus look like? It would look like someone being delivered in the, in the synagogue as it did, or here it would be in the church. It would look like someone's blind eyes being opened. It would look like someone who's in bondage to something being set free. It would look like some person sick with something, even sick with sin, to be healed. Because that's what Jesus came to do. Are you praying for that, expecting these things to happen here as did these people. The power of his presence, number 6, verse 41. We see that clearly. Demons also were coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak, because they knew him to be the Christ. What power Jesus had. What authority he had. What ability he had. Is, there, is We have to ask the question now, In the Bible, we see the angel Gabriel said to Mary before Jesus was born, nothing will be impossible for God. God asked, we've been looking at Abraham on Sunday nights, we did for a while, and you remember God asked Sarah, he said, why did Sarah laugh? You know, I'm the God of all flesh, is anything too hard for me? Nothing is impossible. Do we still believe that? That that the God that we serve is not God almost, as we sometimes look at him to be, but instead is God Almighty, a God who can do anything, who can change any person, any person, transform the life of any person. Well, the next thing, the last thing we need to see is that this time that Jesus was moving from synagogue to synagogue, moving from place to place, giving these people the privilege of his presence, here's what's very important, and the last thing I want to say, that that there was a passing window of opportunity. Verses 42 through 44. When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him, and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. He visited synagogue to synagogue, and there was a passing window of opportunity for those people to respond. They needed to recognize and take advantage Of his presence. I want to read you the words of a song that uh, it's a song that's special to me. I like it particularly when the group Selah sings it, and it's called The Gentle Healer. Let me just read you the words The Gentle Healer came into our town today. He touched blind eyes and the darkness left to stay. More than the blindness, he took their sins away. The gentle healer came into our town today. The gentle healer came into our town today. He spoke one word. That's all he had to say. The one who died just rose up straight away. The gentle healer came into our town today. Oh, he seems like just an ordinary man with dirty feet and rough but gentle hands. The words, he says, are hard to understand And yet he seems like just an ordinary man. The gentle healer, he left our town today. I just looked around and found he'd gone away. Some folks from town had followed him. They say, the gentle healer is the truth, the life, the way. We have an open window of opportunity when we recognize the Lord meets with us And so tonight, should you recognize the Lord is speaking to your heart, we've been graced with the privilege of His presence. And whatever He says to you, then you need to do it. Let's pray.